So 2 Timothy 3.5 is just our, uh, a starting point. This is not where we're going to land or stay at all. 2 Timothy 3, or 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Today we're going to talk of some who had the form, wanted the form of godliness, wanted the title, wanted the praise, the accolades, the name, without actually knowing the spirit or heeding the call of the spirit. When, when you understand the heeding the call, when we get through this first part here, uh, Acts 4.34. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Hoses, who, or Joseph, who by, the name, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Neither did any of them lack, for the have-mores went out, sold some stuff, and they shared with the have-lesses in the body of Christ. Possessions were sold, they were given for the betterment of all, a good time in the church. Joseph, who had land, he went, he sold that land, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And by the way, there was no compunction to do so, there was no law to do so, there was no go out and do it. He went and did it out of the goodness of his heart because that Joseph, whose name is Joseph, was changed to Barnabas, the Barnabas of Paul and Barnabas, the, the man who was the eternal optimist, the man who was always lifting Paul's spirits, the man who was always looking for good in others, that Barnabas went out and sold property and brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. His gift, his calling was consolation or exhorting. That was what he was. He is uh, what, we, what I just said about Joseph the other day. He was an eternal optimist. But we're not here today to talk about Joseph or Barnabas. We're going to Acts 5.1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. There was no time between death and funeral, was there? They, they literally picked him up, carried him out, and they buried him right then and there. Everyone should know who Ananias and Sapphira are. They saw the commotion. They saw people out selling and giving, and getting praises, and sharing, and becoming um, well-known as benefactors. 
They saw all the do-gooders selling possessions and giving it to the apostles for the benefit of the poor. They saw the tears. They saw the joy. They saw the commendations. Oh, what a joyous time the church was having here. These two saw it, and they wanted to be in on it, but they didn't want to actually have to sacrifice for anybody. They didn't want to sacrifice at all. They had a parcel of land. They sold it, yet they kept back a part of the price. They were not really into the whole sacrificial giving thing. They didn't really give for the good of others, did they? The good of others here was ignored. It was Shanghai. They used it deceitfully to try to better themselves. They were under no compunction to give it all to Christ. They were under no compunction to give any of it to Christ. They were under no law that said they had to. Nobody said, hey, go do it or you're going to be kicked out of the church. No. Ananias did this with his wife that they might receive the glory without actually giving their all. They lied to men. They lied to God. They grieved the Holy Spirit. Peter, you know, after, after Pentecost, Peter was so in tune with the Holy Spirit. After Pentecost, Peter was a changed man. You couldn't get anything by Peter. Peter, in tune with the Spirit, called Ananias out on this sin. For that is exactly what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. Make no mistake about it. They were in sin by lying to God, lying to man, and doing all to look good without having the heart for it. Ananias being found out. Ananias being called out in front of everybody he thought he was going to get praises from. He was challenged on his sin and on his blasphemy, gave up the ghost, fell down, and died. Apparently, the embarrassment and shame of being called out, challenged, and, and just flat out uh, exposed in front of everybody was worse to him than lying to God. And he died. Now, some have said, well, why did he have to die? Well, why did he have to die? Did he die for giving partially of the money? No. Was he sinning by just giving some of the money? No, it was his to do with what he wanted. The sin was not in the money at all. The sin wasn't in the selling of the property. The sin wasn't in giving a dollar or ten dollars. The sin was in the heart where he wanted everyone to believe that he was giving all, while in actuality he was given a small portion. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to give it all. They didn't have to give any. But they had to do what they did in the pureness of heart. With the right intentions, the right heart motives. For therein lies sin. Sin lies in the heart. They were seeking the accolades of man for getting. God sees this right here, the heart. How many do we have today that do this? They serve, they give all for the praise of the ones who see it. How many forget that God sees the heart and that is where he judges? Be sure and ask and question of yourself, are my motives pure? Whatever I do, is it of God in his glory and his will or is it for me? 
Ananias and Sapphira, had they asked themselves that question, might have been better off. Acts 5, 7. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered and said unto her, or Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yeah, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghosts. The young man came in, found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Great fear, great respect, great trepidation came upon the church for doing things the wrong way. So three hours later, Sapphira shows up. Why the delay? Why didn't she come back with her husband? What was she doing while he was bringing the portion of the money to the apostles' feet? Was she out at the spa getting ready to be beautiful? Was she that concerned with her appearance for all the people who were about to praise her for her generosity? What did she do with the remaining money? Her husband took portion. She had to have the rest of it. What did she do with the remaining money? Did she hide it? Did she take it to the bank? Did she buy a house? Did she buy a different parcel of land? This three-hour time gap is not explained. But what is explained is that the man and wife were in agreement to defraud God. Three hours later, his wife shows up. The scripture tells us she did not know her husband was dead. She was not aware that their lie was found out, exposed, and put out. So Peter asks her, Peter asks her, he gives her an out. Did you really sell it for this much? He gave her an out. She didn't take the out. When Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this much? Didn't it set off alarm bells in her head? Why did that, this not make her stop and second guess before answering? If she laid the money at the feet, or if her husband came in and laid the money at the feet of the apostles, why is Peter asking her how much money it was? Should have been some alarm bells going off there. She was so caught up in what she was going to get, the praise, the glory, the accolades, she forgot God sees the heart and the motives. God wants freely, joyfully given money, time, time, talent. He compels no one to give. He doesn't need your money. He asks. He doesn't compel. So she says, yep, we sold it for that much. I really want to believe that her mind was screaming at her, no, no, but she just pushed it aside. But she did not heed the call of her mind or the spirit, nor did her husband. And they both paid for it with their lives. Such a price paid for absolutely no reason other than wanting praise and accolades and to look good, to be among the great men and women of God without actually doing anything to earn a place of uh, prominence. God knows the hearts. God knows the motive. And to be perfectly frank, there should be no prominence anywhere for anyone. We are all, all the same in God's eyes. We are. 
They were not compelled or forced or duped into selling and giving. It was their choice, nothing more. Their choice to defraud God. Their choice was to put on the appearance of godliness, having no spirit of God, putting on the form of godliness and denying the power that they were watching everywhere, denying the power thereof. We're going to jump now to Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at one more who denied the power, didn't understand what was going on. Acts 8, 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And, they, and to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles, which were Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Simon the sorcerer. This guy is a mess. He is in a position of prominence through some sort of magic, sleight of hands, potions, herbs, who knows what. Yet, he's been successful at it and he has made them to think that he is more than he actually is. He is what we call a con artist today. Then Philip comes along. Philip preaches the gospel. He tells them of someone who is greater than all of them. He tells them of Jesus, the Son of God, of whom he himself walked with, talked with, ate with. Philip preached Jesus to this place. When the people believed, when the people trusted in Christ, the entertainer, the showman, was left in the dust when the people saw the true God and his power. That's what the church needs today, isn't it? To come out from among the world, be separate, and preach the gospel. My God is still able to save like this. Turn away from the entertainers, turn away from the performers, turn away from the con artists, and get out and hear of the Jesus that Philip preached. Hear the gospel that, Je that Philip preached that changed Samaria. Philip took the gospel, preached the gospel, and people were saved. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, brought people to Philip. And Philip brought them to Christ. Simon was entertaining to the people. He was. He was a showman. He was a con man. He was an entertainer. But he could not outperform the gospel. Those are words to live by. You cannot outperform the gospel of Jesus. No matter what you do in your church, you preach the gospel, lives will be changed. You put on a show, lives will not be changed, but you'll get rich. Think about that. The scripture says that Simon believed, that he sat and he wondered at the signs and wonders told, told them that Jesus had done. He believed and was baptized and sat with Philip. 
He was a follower of Christ, but he did not know Christ. Not yet. Then, the church of Jerusalem, hearing of what was going on in Samaria, they sent Peter and John out to aid Philip. Acts 8.18 and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. He's still seeing through the lens of his own experience. He's still seeing through the lens of his own mind. He's not fully understanding what's going on here. Simon is still the con man. He's still the showman in his heart. He hasn't quite made the leap. He wants the same power the apostles had, yet he did not want to earn it. He, believing that the apostles were like him, after money, after fame, after praise, after power, he says, here's money, give me this power. He, like Ananias and Sapphira, show that they truly do not understand the heartfelt faith. That when God gets a hold of you, he gets to the heart and he changes the inner you, not just the outer you. The outer piousness is so easy to put on. The outer piousness is so pleasing to the eyes of man. But Peter saw through the outer piousness. Acts 8.20, Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. The gift of God was purchased with the life of Christ on the cross. That gift cannot be bought. That gift cannot be sold. That gift is freely given to all men. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He's in the bond of sin. He's in the gall of bitterness. His heart isn't right. He doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't. He sees the power, but he doesn't understand it. He sees the God, but he doesn't understand it. Peter, once again, seeing straight to the heart through the Spirit. This is why it's always so important to be in tune with the Spirit. It says, take our money, or take your money and get out. That's what Peter says. Your money, perish with thee. We don't need your money. A few more churches ought to say that, too. <clears throat> Peter sees this man's heart is far from God. <clears throat> Peter sees this man's heart is far from the God he professes to serve. He may very well profess it, but he is not possessing it. Does not make it true just because you say it. God will change you from the heart out. This guy was not changed from the heart out. Even now, Peter can see the bond of iniquity that the heart of Simon was enthralled to. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And then to me, this verse in 824, this verse is the biggest part of the problem. 
Simon says, Pray ye to the Lord for me. Simon does not truly know God, does not truly understand God, does not get the concept that God wants a personal relationship with you, wants to talk with you, wants to walk with you. God wants you to talk to him. Instead, he says, Peter, pray to God for me. Simon is not quite understanding what's going on here. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wanted a relationship with Simon the sorcerer, but Simon was going in this knowledge, head knowledge, not in this knowledge, heart knowledge. He was going with what he knew, how he knew, what he thought, rather than through the power and the spirit of God. God wants you to want what he wants. God wants you to have a relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him personally. Simon saw the power. Simon wanted the power, but he wanted the power, not the understanding of where it came from, of who gave it to him, how they got it, what they had to go through to get there. He wanted a form of godliness, but didn't know the power thereof. And this is the church of today, folks. So many wanting the name and appearance of righteousness without actually having a heart for God. No, they want money, they want fame, they want fortune, they want comfort, they want health, or the good opinion of fellow men. God wants you to have a heart for Him. Have a heart for His service, His will. God cares for the life you live here, but only how you live that life to further His kingdom. He does not care that you are rich. He does not care that you are poor. He may bless you, He may not. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. He cares how you further his kingdom. He cares how many hearts and minds are touched for him. He cares how many people you witness to, how many are, are, are brought before him. Souls are saved. That's what he cares about. He cares for your spirit. He cares for your eternal destination. He cares for the world. He cares for their spirit. He cares for their eternal destination. And he cares that they are told about him and his son. That's what he cares about. He doesn't care if you're rich. He doesn't care if you're poor. He doesn't care if you live in a big house or a little house. He cares that you are reaching a world lost and dying with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ananias and Sapphira, they had a heart for the people to like them. They had a heart for the people to praise them. Simon the sorcerer, he had a heart as an entertainer to be entertaining, to be a showman to enjoy the accolades, to enjoy the praise of man. Simon was a con artist. Sapphira, Sapphira and Ananias, they were con artists, grifters. They looked more for the men than for the God of the man. Hearts today need to be turned back to Christ. Hearts today need to be out there serving, not out of praise, not out of look at me, but out of look at him. Remember what our opening verse was? Let me see if I can find it. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. If you know of somebody who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, and they're professing, but they are not possessing the Spirit, they are not possessing a heart for Christ, 
they are not possessing a life that shows that testimony, that professing don't mean nothing, walk away.